You're listening to Spurs Cast, episode 521. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of Spurs Cast. So we're going to go ahead and go through a, a different way of um, formatting this podcast today. What I'm going to do is I'm going to first go through um, just an individual section where I'll kind of go over the last three games for the Spurs um, since the last week that I recorded. Then I'll kind of um, provide some numbers and some thoughts on the Spurs' three-game winning streak that they're currently on. I will preview the upcoming three games, and then from there... This portion of the podcast will end, and then uh, our Project Spurs writers, Tom Petrini and Ben Bornstein, Benjamin Bornstein, uh, they recorded some audio as well discussing um, the Austin Spurs, and more specifically, two players from the San Antonio Spurs who are playing in Austin lately, um, Lonnie the Walker IV and Benjamin Bornstein. So so there at the end of the podcast, you'll hear that segment of their audio as they have that conversation regarding Walker IV and uh, and um Chemezi Metu, uh, the, the Spurs' two draft picks from this past summer. So I'm going to go ahead and kick it off with the basically recapping what happened in the Spurs' last three games. So um, San Antonio's back on, the, on a winning streak. You know, their first uh, three-game winning streak since Halloween night. They haven't, you know, it took over a month for them to win consecutive games. But then, uh, you know, as they, as they beat the... Um, the uh, their latest opponent, the Suns, uh, it gave them their first three game winning streak since Halloween night. So it's so it's been a while since the Spurs have had some winning, and they're, and they're getting that as they've begun their home their six game six game homestand. Um, you know, in, in a good way with their uh, with a three game winning streak. So let's go to begin uh, where we left off, which was last Friday. The Spurs were going to host the uh, Los Angeles Lakers for the last time this season. So the Spurs had just lost to the Lakers two uh, a day before that on on Wednesday night. Um, they had just lost, and they had one day of rest. Uh, and, you know, there was a game where the Spurs had a chance at winning, but in the end, LeBron and, and the Lakers were too much for them, especially the Spurs' defense there in the fourth quarter. So the Spurs came back home, and they beat the Lakers 133-120 on Friday night. Now, here were three big takeaways from that game. Um, the first one I wrote down, um, you know, the Spurs came back from down 15. So I remember uh, last week I had, I had told you all, listeners, that, uh, you know, when the Spurs – fall behind by 10 points it's almost like an automatic loss because their, their record you know wasn't very good they had only won one game had one comeback win at that point so on this night the lakers uh you know went up by 15 in the second quarter but the spurs did manage to come back and win that game so the spurs are now 2 and 13 when they fall behind by double digits and what's interesting about that stat is that if you take the lakers out of it they're still 0 and, 0 and 13 because they're 0 and 13 against all the other teams but there there are two times that they came back in a game to win it was against the Lakers so so that's still an interesting stat you know if the Spurs do fall behind by 10 points um it's still something to watch now that their seat their series is over with the Lakers um another takeaway from that game uh it was interesting coach Pop um didn't put LaMarcus Aldridge back in the fourth quarter and same thing for Rudy Gay but you look at Aldridge a little bit more just because he's he's the solo big man there um, at the five, and he's basically one of the Spurs' um, you know reigning All Stars coming back into this season. So he, he he didn't bring Aldridge back in, and the reason why is because Jakob Pertle was playing really well alongside Davis Bertans in the front court. In that fourth quarter, Pertle put up ten points, four rebounds, and he and he blocked three shots. Um, the Spurs basically outscored the Lakers forty four twenty one in the fourth, and it was primarily a lineup of um, Patty Mills at the one, Demar Derozan at the two. Marco Bellinelli at the three, uh, Bertans at the four, and Jakob at the five. And something I noted in that game was that, you know, obviously Lamarcus is an All Star, and, and he has been struggling this year to keep to keep consistent, um, you know, productive games on the court. And you could tell by his points per shot attempt at cleaning the glass tracks because this season it's it's been one of his worst um, in terms of efficiency, shooting efficiency, and it's really bothered him. And it's really put the Spurs, um, you know, you know, in a bind at times when he's not playing well or making his shots. Um, and you saw that in that Lakers game where. Because you had a um, you know two two a floor spacer in in Davis Bertans from three, and then you had a traditional you know rim runner type five in a in um in Perto who just sets screens you know sets picks um you know on on ball off ball and he just rolls to the basket and kind of just crashes the glass. It didn't it didn't his usage is so low that it doesn't affect um, the offense that much. Whereas with Lamarcus, you got to get him the ball in the post. You know he 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 takes a lot of time off the clock. Teams like to double team him, and then he has to move it around. Um, defenses shrink the floor, and so the Spurs really have a tough time getting going when Lamarcus is, is isn't having his way against the defense. So um, you saw that the Spurs went to more of an I, I would say like a perimeter oriented attack where you had Patty Mills coming off pick and roll, you had Demar Derozan coming off pick and roll. They were finding Jakob, they were finding Bertans for for threes. Uh, then then you saw that um, you know they could run Bertans off screens, they could run Patty off screens, Bellinelli. Off screen so it was just more of a modern type offense I would say uh 
you know, for the Spurs in that fourth quarter against the Lakers. And it showed that defensively they were fine. They held the Lakers to 21, which is really good. And then offensively, they were just off the charts, putting up 44 points on the, on the Lakers. And, and, you know, even though DeRozan's not a floor spacer, he's a mid-range type player. It gave DeMar those opportunities to play to, to create for his teammates, you know, in spread pick and roll. But then also when he needed to take somebody one on one, it was it was harder for the Lakers to double team him. And he had his way getting by his defender or making shots over his defender. So it almost works better when you have just one type of mid range player like that. Whereas when you have two uh, and one of them's not being as efficient, like how, how Lamarcus has kind of been a lot this season, um, it's, it's a little bit tougher. So that was just something interesting to watch was that uh, that Pop basically um, trusted that lineup to end the game, and they played very well uh, for the Spurs. Then on Sunday, the Spurs hosted the Utah Jazz. Now, a week before that, the Jazz had just basically clobbered the, uh, the Spurs in Utah um, on the road by 30-plus points. So the Spurs basically got their revenge. They won by 13 points, 110-97, and that's a key number right there, 97. The Spurs um, were finally able to hold an opponent below 100 points, which hasn't um, happened often this season. Um, two, so, uh, Three takeaways. The first one, um, again, the Spurs held Utah to 18 points in the first quarter and 18 points in the second quarter. And as I mentioned last week, that's something that the Spurs defense has not been doing a lot this season where they're holding, where they're finding games where they hold a team to less than 20 points in a quarter. Um, the Spurs led by 21 in the third quarter. And, you know, Utah did, did get within five with 9.33 left in the game, but the Spurs were able to close out that game well. They got to avoid crunch time. And so they had a pretty comfortable uh, win there by 13 points. Um, something also to note is even in the fourth quarter, now, it wasn't below 20, but the Spurs did help hold the Jazz to less than 25 in that fourth quarter. So, again, you're starting to see um, strides on defense very early on in this homestand for San Antonio. Uh, one other note I, I wrote down was uh, the Spurs got 69 total points combined from LaMarcus, uh, Rudy Gay, and from uh, DeMar DeRozan. So they all put up 20-plus uh, each, uh, LaMarcus, DeRozan, and, and Gay. And that had only happened one other time, so it's, it's not it's not it's actually kind of rare to get those three players to uh, to get twenty point nights. And the last time that that happened, the Spurs lost a game uh, in Los Angeles against the Lakers. So this time it was a win uh, when they got their mid three all going for twenty plus um, for twenty points or more uh, in that game. Then finally on Sunday, the Spurs, I mean, on, not on Sunday, on Tuesday, the Spurs had their most recent win where they beat the Suns pretty comfortably, 111-86. The starters basically got to sit up most of the fourth quarter. Um, some, some interesting notes again. Uh, they, held the, they held the Suns to 20 points in the first quarter, 18 in the third quarter, and 22 in the, second, in the fourth quarter. So again, you're having more of that, I would say, past traditional Spurs defense where they're holding the opponent below 25 points in a quarter, which doesn't happen often this season, but lately in this homestand, it's starting to become a theme for them, and that's obviously going to help their defense overall. Um, Another note, the Spurs led by 15 with 59 seconds left before half, which that moves them to now 8-0 undefeated. Uh, when they lead by 15, obviously the the number there is eight means that it's not happening often. Um, where 20 of their games, there that's not going to happen where they're up by 15. So again, that that's a mark that you got, that you want to watch for if the Spurs go up by 15. At this moment, it's kind of an automatic win for them. They're winning those games, um, and overall, in terms of double digit leads, they're now 12 and two when when they lead by by 10 plus points. Obviously, you can see that when San Antonio has the edge against the team, uh, they're a little bit more comfortable in putting that game away. So now through 28 games, the Spurs are 14 and 14 as I record this podcast on a uh, Wednesday Wednesday evening. Um, they're basically on, on with playing with the efficiency of a 34.8 win team, according to Cleaning the Glass. They're 10th offensively, so kind of staying with the top 10 offense, scoring 111.1 points per 100. Defensively, it doesn't seem like a lot. They, they've actually moved up, though. They've moved up to 27th defensively uh, with 113.5, and that's pretty crazy that they've had two games where they've held the opponent under 90 and I mean under 100 and under 90 points, and they're still 27th defensively. It just tells you that that's how bad they were at one time defensively, where, where they've just gotten the, these these stats have basically um, you know snowballed against them. And now, even when they have good defensive games, it's not really um, it's not really making a huge, huge impact on the data as much as as you would think. Um, where do they stand in the playoff race? They're still right there. They're only a game and a half now out of the eighth seed, and they're still and they're just five games out of the first seed. So again, more wins is going to get you back in that playoff race and keep you right there um, to try to get you know as as, as best. Uh, you know, for now, trying to get in the playoffs. But second, you know, if you keep winning, it's going to help you get a pretty good positioning. So now. 
I know, I know it's a small sample size. It's only three games, but I do want to talk about some of the, the numbers and, and what we're seeing specifically on the defensive end for the Spurs because we know that even when they're when they're not winning games, they're still fine offensively. They're a top ten offense uh, before this three game winning streak. So it's mainly been the defensive um, end that I wanted to talk about. So here are a few notes uh, for them. Um, you know, during this three game winning streak at home, uh, they're second offensively during this stretch, uh, scoring one hundred and nineteen point nine points per one hundred. They're now 10th defensively during the stretch, scoring 104.1 points per 100. Uh, one area that you see them make a huge stride in is their their opponent effective field goal percentage. So teams usually shoot an effective field goal percentage 54.6% against the Spurs, which is 26. That's not good for San Antonio. But during this this home game winning streak, uh, their teams are only shooting 49.8%, which is uh, you know about a 5, 5% difference, uh, making the Spurs 10th in opponent field, uh, effective field goal percentage. Um, some quotes the Spurs have been saying after their last few games. Um, Coach Pop had this, this quote. He's talked about communication, uh, how the players are getting more understanding, how their guys are getting play, uh, getting used to playing together. So you know this is a message Pop's been having um, a lot this season is like, you know, this is a brand new team almost where a lot of guys don't have that corporate knowledge. So it's almost like they're having to build this defense from the ground up. And he has said, you know, it's going to take patience. It's not like in past years where he could just rely on his on his veterans, um, you know, to know the schemes, know the system. And now it's taking more time. He even had an interesting quote where he talks about how he needs to work on changing certain players' habits. So obviously, you know, we know this is not a team that has, you know, um, all, all NBA defenders on it. So this is a, a team that's going to take some time to change some of those habits of some of those players who might have just been scorers only throughout most of their career, more offensive oriented players. And now they got to focus on that defensive end. Um, Brent Forbes had an interesting quote uh, after their win um, against the Suns. He says that the defense is playing 10 times better right now during this three-game homestand. Uh, before that, in that game against Utah, he said, uh, I think we had guys in the right places, so it was much harder to penetrate. So he's talking about how, you know, when, when the Spurs are at their worst defensively, it almost looks like like guards mainly and, and wings. They just kind of just walk into the to any spot on the floor that they want on the um you know when they're on offense against the Spurs' defense. Well, lately the Spurs have been communicating more. They've been rotating well. Uh, they've been very active, and you've seen that evidenced by some of the shot clock violations they're making the uh, the opponent get. They had two specifically against uh, Utah. And that's, again, something where if you watch that game against Utah, it looked like, you know, Ricky Rubio, Joe Ingles, uh, Donovan Mitchell, they couldn't all the time get to where they wanted to when they, when they penetrated the Spurs' defense. They always had a body in front of them. They had to move the ball around. Um, it was a tough, tough thing for them to do. <clears throat> With Phoenix, uh, the Suns, you know, they're a younger team. They're missing Devin Booker. So even though they're not as, as good of a team, what you did see there, though, is that the Spurs basically only let them uh, take a lot of times just mid-range looks or like, you know, you know long-range floaters. And Phoenix, too, wasn't getting, um, you know, the shots that they wanted. And the Spurs would strategically leave open some of their, their bad three-point shooters. They would leave them open. Um, so, again, you saw that. Uh, you know, both by the eye test and uh, by what the players are saying that, you know, their defense is getting a little bit better. Now, again, it's a three game sample size. And this is why I want to go back to one of the quotes that Pop had on um, the game after after Utah. He said this. So we'll see if it continues. It's about consistency. And we haven't had that. We've been pretty spotty. OK, so he just basically goes on to say that the Spurs have shown flashes of being a good defensive team this year. And one of those flashes I can recall specifically um, was when Dante Cunningham first came into the lineup. When he first got put into the starting lineup, uh, the Spurs went through like seven games where they were almost like the top the top five defense. But then obviously, obviously that you know teams started figuring out how to attack them. Uh, maybe the effort level wasn't there. The communication broke down, and so they fell back to third. You know, to, to the bottom, um, you know, bottom part of the league in terms of defense. So, so Pop there is saying that. You know, it's going to take consistency. It's going to take, you know, you know, game in and game out. They got to continue to play with this kind of effort, this kind of energy, this kind of communication. If not, it could easily just fall apart again and they could end up going, you know, falling back to 30th defensively and just getting, you know, you know, clobbered by teams uh, like we like we've seen happen uh, in the last, you know, 20 games. Uh, something else that, uh, you know, some other numbers that I've, that I've dug up, you know, during this three game winning streak, um, just one, one note on their offense. I know that I I don't want to talk too much about the offense because they're, they're actually fine on that end of the floor. Um, you know, right now they're shooting, they're shooting really well at home, uh, top 10 in all three areas by accuracy in terms of uh, the paint, the mid range and the three point arc, uh, in terms of those last three games, one area to look at, and I think this has a lot to do with LaMarcus, is the, the long mid-range shot. So long mid-range, according to cleaning the glass, is considered 14 feet uh, to the three-point line. So 14 to about 23 feet, we'd say. Now, normally the Spurs only make 39.1% of those shots, which is 21st. So, so that's a shot that they take a lot of. They're first in the league in attempts from there. 
but they only make 39% of those. Now, during this with this winning streak, um, three-game winning streak, they're making 43% of those shots, which moves them all the way up to 10th in accuracy. So again, and, and if you really look at it, DeRozan's been fine from there. Rudy Gay's been fine from there. It's, it's mainly Aldridge who's really struggled with that mid-range um, pick-and-pop jumper, that, that wide-open spot-up jumper from the, from the mid-range. And it's starting to go in more frequently for him. And obviously, you'll see that if, if they can pick that up, you know, that saves their defense on the other end where LaMarcus makes a shot uh, or DeRozan or Gay and they can get back on defense on the other end and, and make it more of a half-court game rather than, you know, them missing it and the defense getting a live rebound and then taking off down the other end and putting the Spurs on their heels. So so really, I feel like if LaMarcus came back to his normal, um, you know, type of, of accuracy from that range, it's really going to help them out. And as long as Rudy and uh, DeRozan stay at that range too. So again, that's something to watch is that long mid-range shot. Um, and their and their offensive attack is basically stayed the same in terms of frequency. They're still thirtieth in pain attempts and thirtieth um, in uh, frequency from the three point line. So that really hasn't changed their offensive philosophy during this this winning streak. But now I do want to go to the defense and talk about some of the improvements they've made over these last three games. Um, let's first talk about the rim. There's a, there's a huge glare, glaring um, difference here right now. So during the season, teams shoot thirty five point five percent of their shots at the rim against the Spurs' it's defense. Again, thirty five point five. During these last three games, the Spurs uh, are only letting teams shoot 28.8%, so almost like a 7% difference there, um, and that goes from, from ranking 11 to 4. So in frequency, the Spurs are taking away rim attempts right now during this three-game winning streak. The accuracy has stayed stayed almost the same. Um, teams are just shooting 1% worse at, at the rim right now during this three-game winning streak, so it's not that's not the huge part. It's mainly that the frequency is, is being limited for teams. Now, because teams aren't shooting as many uh, rim shots, they're actually shooting more mid-range shots, which is what you want to give uh, the opponent right now in today's NBA. You want to give them the, the long two and not the shots at the paint or the three-point shots. So during the season, the Spurs are 18th in frequency, uh, opponent frequency, should I say. Uh, teams are shooting 32.5% of their shots from the, from the mid-range. Right now, during this three-game winning streak, they're making opponents take 38.8%, which is about a 6% increase in mid-range shots for opponents, which is, again, a good thing. As far as accuracy goes, the Spurs are, are holding them 1% less um, from the mid-range, 42.6%. So that's not a huge you know, you know, um, jump. Now, last is the, the frequency from the three-point line. So Teams are still right about the same. They're taking about 32% of their shots both during the season and during this last three-game winning streak against the Spurs' defense from three. Now, the difference here, so that's about 13th during the season and 16th uh, right now during the last three games. So, again, that's like about a league average, you know, right around there. Here, here's the difference, though. The Spurs are pro- either, the, either, the, either the Spurs are contesting those better right now or the, the teams just aren't making them during this three-game winning streak because normally teams shoot – 37% from three against the Spurs' defense, which is 25th, bad. And right now during this uh, this winning streak, they're shooting 31.5%, which is uh, you know 6% better, I mean worse, uh, which puts the Spurs seventh, really good elite basically um, in terms of opponent accuracy from three. So again, some of that's just really small sample size. Teams are making shots. But again, part of that too is though that the Spurs are, are, are rotating more. They have more energy. They have more communication. They're not missing their assignments as much as we've seen them in the past this season. So... Uh, that's again something to watch. Last stat I want to read you all is uh, the half court defense. During the season, the Spurs give up 96.1 points per 100 possessions in the half court, which is 28th. Bad, obviously. In their last three games, they're they're giving up only 86.7 points per 100, which is eighth, um, which is obviously you know in, in elite territory there. So so we're seeing that even when they when they get the ball controlled in the half court, they're playing better half court defense, and a lot of that too continues to to um, show uh, more activity, more communication, being in the right place at the right time, knowing when to help and where to help um, against against uh, the offense. So so that's something again where where the Spurs are making their strides now. Uh, before I leave the segment again, I just want to say that it, it is a three-game winning streak, and we do have to consider s- s- part of it was, uh, you know, s- the, the Lakers game is a good win for them. Why? Sure, Brandon Ingram was out against against the Spurs, but the Spurs were down 15, and they came back and won that game. So that, that's obviously, you know, that's a good one for them. Uh, the game against the Jazz was a good one because, you know, Utah's actually, statistically, Utah's actually a better team on the road than they are at home. And this is one where the Spurs, you know, pretty got a pretty comfortable win, especially after they got they got beat pretty badly in Utah a week before. So that's a good win for them. the The last one, the Suns one, that one's you know that one 
kind of looked like an automatic win. Vegas had the Spurs by 13 that night, and they won by 15. Um, Devin Booker was out, like I mentioned. Trevor Reza was out. Uh, so And Phoenix is just a bad team. So, I mean, we everybody expected the Spurs to win that one. So that one you might not want to put too much um, weight onto. But, again, that Lakers win was pretty good, and so was that um, Jazz win uh, for the Spurs. So, so, again, it's three games. They have another three games in a row coming up at home, and then they'll go back on the road for a little bit and before coming back home. So, so we'll talk about those three coming up next in our next segment. So next, I want to go to uh, previewing the Spurs' next three games. Um, so just real quick, some data on the Spurs. They are now 10-4 and four at home. They're playing like a 47-win team at home. They're 12th offensively at home, scoring 111.9 points per 100. And they're 20th defensively at home, um, holding the team to 109.4 points per 100. So their first game is Thursday, uh, hosting the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers are 8-7 and seven on the road. They play like a 45-win team when they go on the road. Offensively, they're fourth on the road, 113.6 points per 100. Defensively, 22nd, um, holding teams to 112.1 points per 100. Um, in this game, I'm going to go ahead and take the Spurs. It wouldn't surprise me if the Clippers win, but I'm going to go ahead and um, tr- trust San Antonio more so at home than I do the Clippers on the road. So I'm taking San Antonio on that one. Next, on Saturday, the Spurs host the Chicago Bulls, who are in the in the news for all sorts of bad stuff right now uh, in terms of their, their team after Fred Hoiberg got got fired. Uh, Jim Boylan's uh, been one of the, the guys who's been in the headlines as the players, you know, almost didn't go to practice one day. And there's just been all sorts of stuff going on with the Bulls right now. Um, and the Bulls reflect their their narrative and they're just bad. Uh, they're 2-11 and on the road. They're playing like a 13-and-a-half win team when they go on the road. Uh, offensively, they're 29, 98.3 points per 100. Surprisingly, defensively, they're, they're, they're league average. They're holding teams to 110.4 points per 100 on the road. Um, just like Phoenix was like an 11-win team on the road, I'm going to go ahead and take San Antonio in this one because, again, 13.5 wins, if that's what you're projected to win uh, as a road team, uh, that's not very good for the, for the Bulls. So I'm taking the Spurs in this one. So I expect the Spurs to be 2-0 at this point by Saturday. Now, on Monday is a tricky game for the Spurs. Uh, they're going to host the Philadelphia 76ers. Philly is 5-8 and eight on the road, playing like a 28.4 win team, um, 21st offensively and 18th defensively on the road. However, so in a little however, with Jimmy Butler now on the team, they are 4-2 and two on the road, playing like a 43-win team. Offensively, they're 6th, uh, scoring 112.8 points per 100, and defensively 18th on the road. I'm holding teams to 112.1 points per 100. And actually, as the day that I'm recording this podcast, uh, Philly actually has the best record in the league, 11-3, and since they've acquired Jimmy Butler way back on November 12th. So in this one, I'm just looking more so for star power, and I really feel like Philly has has more star power right now, more all-stars level players. So they have, you know, MB, they got Jimmy Butler, they got Simmons, and, and they're playing really well, whether they're at home or on the road right now. So I'm going to go ahead and take Philly, it wouldn't shock me if the Spurs do win this game, though. But for now, I'm going to go ahead and take Philly. So I do expect the Spurs to go 2-1 and one during this stretch um, when I come back to Spurs cast uh, next week for episode 522. So so we'll see what they do. If you want to vote in my Twitter poll, it's over on my page, at Paul Garcia NBA. Um, so again, th- thank you for listening to Spurs. Well, for, for the first part of Spurs cast episode 521, just a few reminders before I send you off to the second part. Um, continue to check projectspurs.com. Uh, Steven Anderson's latest work is called Team Effort See Spurs Route Suns for Third Straight Win. And again, it's about uh, the Spurs basically um, beating uh, the Suns by 20, uh, by 20 plus points, uh, or actually by 15 points, but you know, they were by 20. Uh, Tom Petrini has film study, Big Yak's Big Game, where he talks about um, Yaka Pertles, um, one, of more, one of his more um, productive games recently. Uh, Benjamin Bornstein has his latest Spurs prospect watch up on PJ Washington, a six, eight forward from Kentucky. Uh, Ben wrote about this player last year because, uh, he was thinking about entering the draft, but then he didn't at the last, he didn't, um, you know, end up going into the draft. So now he's back at Kentucky. So Ben kind of gives a, a, a review on how, you know, the type of impact he's had early on this season. Um, then my latest piece was called Spurs Seek to Build Consistency on Defense. And again, it was just after that that Utah game, you know, the type of defense that they're playing right now. I had a lot of quotes in there from Pop, from Patty, from Rudy Gay, uh, where, where the players are talking about how they really want defense to be a consistent thing for them and see if they can really, um, you know, hold on to that so that they can get better as a team overall and get back into that playoff picture. And lastly, uh, don't forget to uh, leave a rating or review on iTunes if you listen to Spurs Cast on iTunes. So now I'm going to send it off to Tom and Ben, and uh, you can enjoy their conversation where they discuss uh, Lonnie Walker, the fourth um, play in Austin, and Shemezi Metu. 
All right, everybody, welcome to a special edition of the Project Spurs Spurs Cast. We've got a fun little segment for you. I am Ben Bornstein. You might know me from the prospect watches that you get every week. I am here with Tom Petrini, the real Tom Petrini, I might add, the hardest working man on the Lonnie Walker beat right now. He joins us. He's going to give us some great insight on the Lonnie Walker, the fourth, not one, not two, not three, but four. Tom, how are you? Good, sir. I am excellent. And a little fun fact for you. We'll start with a little nugget. Lonnie told me that he was actually the fifth Lonnie Walker. Um, but the first uh, passed away a long time ago, and you know they they started over. So he's actually the fifth. That is a fun fact, and that is not something you will see on a birth certificate, folks, or any other official document, I guess, because that's how these things work. So I have Tom on here one because he's a great dude, nice guy, lovely human being. Oh, you're so sweet. Um, well, you know, you know, I, I got to butter you up a little bit too, you know. Um, <laughs> But uh, I've got Tom here. He's going to talk to us about Lonnie Walker. Uh, He's going to answer some questions from me about Lonnie Walker. He did a very, very good interview with Lonnie Walker. It's on Project Spurs. You all need to check that out. Obviously, it's at projectspurs.com on Twitter at Project Spurs. Um, So please go go listen to it. Go read it um, and enjoy it. Because it's enjoyable. So, Ryan, or Tom, I don't know why I just called you Ryan. That is bizarre. But Tom, uh, yes, please. That's that's the way we should go with it. Um, Tom, I'm going to let you just go off on Lonnie Walker here for a bit. Tell us what the, tell the people what they need to know. Tell them what you like about him. I don't think there's anything you don't like about him. Not yet, anyway. There's still time for that. Hopefully it never comes to that. But, you know, tell the people what you like about him. Uh, why they're going to like him uh, once he does end up on the San Antonio Spurs, and we'll go from there. So, one of my favorite things about Lonnie Walker is it seems that everywhere he's been, everybody just rides with him heavily. He's from Reading, Pennsylvania, and you know, in the week that I've been covering him heavily like this, half of my mentions have been Spurs fans wanting to call him up and the other half have been from Reading, Pennsylvania. And they love this kid as much as any city can love any kid. And you spend five minutes with him, you can you know, understand why. Because he's, he's just a genuine, excited kid. He's still fresh. He's, he's 19 years old. He hasn't you know, had the joy of playing basketball at this level you know, beaten out of him yet um, by a kind of grueling NBA career so far um he's he's just a genuinely nice kid and you know when I wrote this story on him he 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 retweeted it to all of his followers like three different times um and part of that is him just you know being genuinely excited um but another part is just he's a he's a really nice kid you know after the after the game, taking the time, taking pictures with fans, you know, talking to people. Um, he's very down to earth. He's the kind of guy that you will see, you know, you see him at Frollo's or Hop Dottie or wherever, and he's he's going to say hi to you. And, um, you know, just Lonnie Walker, the person, is uh, more impressive to me than Lonnie Walker, the basketball player. And Lonnie Walker, the basketball player, is very very impressive so it's it's been a it's been a real pleasure getting to cover him here in austin and we we are actually going to give you guys the interview that tom did with lonnie gonna splice it in here a little bit uh and by a little bit i mean all of it because it's a great not only is it a great interview it's not too terribly long so you know for all of those with short attention spans this one's still for you I just saw that you were in a helicopter like an hour yeah, ago. Yeah. What, what were you What were you doing up there? Uh, it's me and my girl's anniversary, so you know, we always you always gotta do something optimistic, something different that you don't ever do. Um, you know, so it was pretty much just that. I was looking at unique things to do up up in uh, Austin. You know, we always go out to eat, 
and do certain things, but I've never been on a helicopter before, so it was kind of just like, a, you know what, we're going to do this. And, so, and how was the view up there? It was insane. I mean, in the beginning, your, your stomach was turning, you're not ready for it, but, I mean, once you get up to that, to that height, uh, it's amazing just seeing the view, seeing the, the sunset, um, and expanding it, and it's a lot better when you spend it with someone that you love, so... You guys yeah. been together, is that a year? or nah, only seven months right now, but we've okay. been known for each other for a little while, but, you know, it, I'm happy. And you guys have a have a puppy, an oh, yeah. adorable <laughs> little puppy. She's not little no more. No. I, she's, I know. How old is she? She's five months, wow. but she's about 60 pounds. She's, she's huge, man. I, I have a, a nine-month-old boxer oh, okay. who's about the same size. <laughs> What what is it? What has being a dog dad uh, done for you? Has that changed your life? It has changed my life a lot. I first got the dog just for her. Um, she's in love with Preston Canarios. They're canine masters, pretty much canario masters. And she's like, "Babe, can I get this? Can I get this?" I was like, "You know what? I need a dog too." So we got the dog. And at first, I didn't want. I, I didn't care about the dog. I was like, "This is your dog, so right. you take care of it." Right. And she left for a week, and I'm here with the dog for a week, and I had to take care of it. And that entire week, we became best friends. Right. And now it's like she's my daughter. Like, right. when she messes up, it's like, bad dog. Or she does something, it's like, what are you doing? And Isn't that the worst, scolding them because yeah. you don't want to? Like, yeah, you know, she, she has the cutest eyes, and she knows when it's coming. Now, she's so smart, so I'll come home, and if she lays down in front of me, then I know she did something. She'll lay down in front of me, and I'll be like, what did you do? And then I have to look around the apartment and figure out what she did. Yeah. But I know for a fact she done something. She she looks really athletic. Uh, I saw a video of her yeah. hops on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. It's, do, you, do you think that in the right system with the right coaching, Zola could be a solid contributor on a basketball court? Easily. Easily. I figure, you know, defense and fetching. Defense, yeah, fetching, you know, defense. Don't have to stealing. shoot it. That's all we need. That's all right. we need. Yeah, so, I, I've been I've been working on my handle with my okay. dog, and you know, <laughs> she she plays defense. Uh, my my out. dog just loves to tackle. That's what she loves. Yeah, to yeah. They they don't know how big they are. Not at all. Um, so everybody wants to know where your favorite breakfast taco place in San Antonio is. You know what's crazy? I still haven't gotten a breakfast taco. Really? That is a fun fact. I still haven't gotten a breakfast taco. I've been well, like, why are you holding out? I don't know. I've been slacking. I've really been slacking. I, what, what's some of your favorite food that you have had around ooh. San Antonio? I saw you, you okay. got a lot of recommendations on Twitter. Yeah, I do that a lot. Uh, yeah, taquitos is my one of my favorite spots right now. I love Taquitos on West Ave. It's really, really good. Hop Dotties. I'm a burger dude, so Hop Dotties is always going to be good. Yeah, have you had Pete Terry's? Really have you had Pete Terry's? Uh, no, I had Frollo's. Frollo's is another good spot. Really? Okay. Frollo's is... The best pizza. I love Frollo's. Oh my gosh! Four, it's called Lorva's Five. It's like five different cheeses. Oh, I like it. Heaven sent, man. Heaven Excellent. sent. <laughs> um, so obviously, you you know you made you made your for all intents and purposes your pro debut last night, mm-hmm. um, and you know only 19 minutes, but it must have been just great to get back to playing. Oh the yeah, game that's well. that's all that mattered. It's just those. I could have played two minutes. I'm just happy to just actually touch that floor, run, run, and, and compete. You know, the fact that I just finally got to be there was just like that, you know, that feeling. And there, there were a couple plays there in the second half where, you know, you, you went into the first row, you contested a three, wound yeah. up on the bench. Uh, I, I have a lot of people in my mentions telling me to tell you to land on two feet. Um, you know, it, it seems like you're not thinking about nah, the injury at all when you're out there. I work. When you work as hard as I work day in and day out, and you get to a point where you know that you're cleared, once you say that I'm cleared, listen, I'm doing whatever I do because I work my tail off. And if I work my tail off, I can do whatever I want. You know? And I know I'm going to be good. You know, I wouldn't be doing that if I if I knew I wouldn't be good. So I'm healthy. If, I, if not, I'm jumping higher than ever, running faster than ever. And uh, my strength and condition is pretty much up to par. And I know, I know your dad played college ball in your hometown. Yeah. Um, what can you tell me about Lonnie Walker's one and two? And, you know, okay. how are you carrying on? Like, Lonnie Walker two. Well, fun fact, I'm actually the fifth. Really? Okay. But the first Lonnie Walker happened to pass away when I had a younger age. And it had to restart a generation. But Lonnie Walker two, he actually tried out with the Buffalo Bills a little while ago. 
really? way back then, a long time really? ago. He got to try out, and Lonnie Walker the first, he's just the OG. As yeah. simple as that, he's the OG. He knows every everyone that, every time I talk about him and ask about him, he's the guy, the wise man. And as a Lonnie Walker, period, you can ask me, my father, my grandfather, we're all, we all have that wisdom for some odd reason, so... Um, he was kind of like the, the godfather of all of us when it comes to wisdom and the charming sense and the swagger. It all started with him. It's, it's crazy to me how young you are. You're, you're 19. Yeah. Um, you know, do, does it ever hit you like, you know, this is, I'm, I'm still a baby in this world. And... All the time. All the time. Uh, it, only reason I am the way I am is just I had to mature at a younger age. Right. So once you mature at a younger age, you kind of learn and figure out what you like and don't like and what you do and don't do. But every day you can. Have, I'm a, I'm probably the biggest baby in the world. Like when I go when it comes to go karting, roller coasters, haunted houses. That's not being a baby. That's SpongeBob, uh, yeah. Disney, Tom. Like that's all I watch. Cartoons. That's all I watch. And yeah, I'm still the same kid. It's just you know, I know when to turn it on and turn it off. <laughs> I got you. And um, one last thing, I've been thinking about this a while. Do you think your hair, or is there any tactical disadvantage to your hair? Because I think it makes you harder to look over when you're yep. playing defense. Does yeah, it get in the way of it? It's kind of a cheat code. I've been told a few times when I'm contesting someone's jump shot that my hair kind of, you know, it kind of blinded them real quick. So uh, we, we're going to keep this to my advantage point. And I, I imagine, like, Gets, gets a little extra on the yeah, head fake. You, you got know? to. Yeah, every, it, it moves with everything. It catches you off guard. You know, it might. I might just start swooping down and hitting them in the <laughs> face real quick before I'm going by them. Shoot. <laughs> How do you get it to do that? It was uh, probably just my 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 grandma used to hook me up with this secret juice from my hair. Yeah. Just I used to trim it a lot. And honestly, How long have you been was, doing it like this? I mean, it all started seventh grade. I had a mohawk. I had a red mohawk seventh, eighth grade, the ninth grade. It was a regular flat top. Then tenth grade, it was like I trimmed it really low all the time. Then eleventh grade, I had the cones. And then twelfth grade, I just let it go. And then once I got to college, it kind of just took its own toll. The humidity and everything. It was like you know what? Yeah. Oh well. But I like it. It's unique. It defines me because I always like to be different and separate myself from anyone else. And lastly, sorry, how excited are you to play with Jamezi tonight? Uh, your, I wish. Your draft buddy. Is I he... wish. I'm, I'm not playing today, You're sadly. No, oh, right. so I'll be playing uh, the away game against in Northern Arizona, I believe, and then the okay. next game back here. But I'm pretty sure he'll be with me, and I'm excited just to play with him, get a vibe. You know, it's been a while, and you know, hopefully me and him are together for more than a, just a few years. You, know? you guys have great bench celebration chemistry, so yeah. I want to see how that translates. <laughs> Very good so to much. meet you, man. I appreciate uh, it, man. Good to see you again. This is the third time meeting you. Good. All right, Tom. So you uh, you like Lonnie Walker, the person. You've made that very clear. And I've listened to his interview, and I like Lonnie Walker, the person, from what I've heard. Uh, what and you know you mentioned it a little bit earlier there in your in your intro. What do you think fans are going to love most about this kid when he does get up to San Antonio? So, you know, sort of, he talks about that maturity that he has, um, and you know the way it balances with the 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 childlike. I mean, he is he is a kid. He's nineteen years old, um, but he's also an incredibly hardworking nineteen year old. You don't you don't get drafted with the eighteenth pick if you're not, um, and you know. He's got the physical tools. We'll talk about that. Six five. I don't really know how you measure him. I don't know like where you measure from because he's seven feet tall with hair. But <laughs> you know, he's he's six five, six ten wingspan. Um, but he's just working hard. You know, his his coach was talking to me about how uh, Austin coach Blake Ahern. He was he was talking about we're trying to tell him it doesn't have to happen all at once. Cause he's coming to them. He's like, what do I need to do? You know, can I watch film? Like what, how, how can I help this team and how, how can I get better? And it seems like the very few things that he knows he has to work on, he's working on and he's, he's consciously doing that. Um, 
so his his drive to get better um and just his excitement the excitement that he plays the game with is um you know it is really fun to watch and he's he's an awesome basketball player he is the complete package on offense um he can defend three positions he's uh, an incredibly versatile player. He's a true combo guard who can guard a lot of small forwards. Um, and, you know, watching him play in Austin, you can see that, and, and talking to him too, one of the only knocks on his game when he was at Miami was um, one was shot selection, too many early jumpers, you know, contested, two-pointers early in the shot clock. And then another was he didn't get to the line enough, um, you know, for, for a guard who slashes as much as he does. And in Austin, he's been, he's been working on all of those things. He's been getting into pick and roll a lot and, you know, just breaking down the defense. He kind of has a quick trigger sometimes, um, you know, on those jump shots that, the San Antonio team has taken far too many of this season, uh, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, that's something that the San Antonio team is struggling with, right, is penetrating to the rim. And Lonnie knows that he's at his best when he does that. Um, talking to him after some of the games, he said um, that one of the biggest things he was learning right now is patience. Um because he he's he's finally getting to the point where um, you know for his whole life pretty much he's been the most talented player on every team he's been on. Um, when he gets to San Antonio, he's not going to be asked to do so much. He's not going to be you know there are a couple guys that have the green light to you know pull up from 17 feet with. 18 seconds left on the shot clock. He's not going to be one of them at 19 years old. And um, he has taken a bunch of those shots uh, in Austin. A bunch of them have gone in, though. And he he uses that ability to shoot to keep the defense off balance, which opens up layup opportunities for himself. And, um, you know, when he, when he forces the defense to collapse open shots for teammates and he's found he's he's shown a not only a willingness to pass but uh some some real flair with it um and he kind of reminds me in at least in principle to Manu Ginobili right when he came in Pop had to you know kind of break him like a wild horse and he kind of never did and it kind of worked out great for both of them um, and you kind of get the sense with Lonnie that he is a talented enough player that he can get away with a lot of the, you know, a lot of the shots that wouldn't be great shots for other players, you know? Um, and you mentioned Manu Ginobili and now everyone is incredibly excited. I hope you know what you've done. You've, you've raised the hype level to to new heights i'm not i'm not sure we're ready for this well there, there are a lot of there are a lot of great comparisons you can make with lonnie um i think to compare him to a guy who spurs fans know pretty well he has a similar physical profile to Dejounte murray um similar players but um very similar players honestly um but when they were drafted and, you know, we didn't get to see much of Murray three point shot, I heard was very improved, but for where they are in their careers, uh, DeJounte has the better handle. One of, you know, a really, really good one, uh, learning from Jamal Crawford. It's kind of hard not to. Um, and Lonnie has a better shot. Lonnie shot 34% from three in college. Um, and, Lonnie can really shoot from anywhere. Uh, like he, he's a threat from anywhere. Defense has to respect him and he can shoot off the bounce. He can shoot off the catch. Um, 
that's one of the really cool things about watching him play is he's a true combo guard. He can play on the ball, you know, pick and roll, break the defense down. And he's a, he's a slasher and cutter off the ball. Um, you know, getting to the rim for layups, getting flashing out to the three-point line for catch-and-shoot looks. Um, and he's always ready to make a play. You know, he's a guy that if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he is, you know, looking for a way to get to the basket um, and get open. So you've mentioned a lot of great things, a lot of good things about Walker's game right now. What what part of his game do you like the most or do you think is the most developed right now? Good question. Um, I think probably right now it's the the talent that he has developed most is just his complete scoring skill set. Um, and that will make him playable in almost any lineup with the Spurs. Um and, you know, open things up for other players on the team. He he gets to the rim really well. And, you know, that's another thing that he's been working on in Austin is, you know, kind of getting to the line, being aggressive. Um, and, but I think the, the main thing that they've been working on him with is defense. Um, you know, Co- Coach Ahern said the offense is going to come on its own. You know, he's just he's just doing what he does. It's you know, there's there's game planning, of course, but you know, they're not really focusing too much on that part because they know he's good. They know he can just go out and get buckets. Um, Ahern said, if you want to play for Pop, you got to defend, and he's right. And uh, somebody should tell the guys. <laughs> in San Antonio that um, it's the second worst defense in the league right now. Um, so when Lonnie Walker eventually gets to the NBA, um, the thing that he's going to be asked to do, is not going to be score 24 points a game, which he did. Uh, you know, he, he did that Thursday night with, uh, George Gervin in the house, which is awesome. Um, and busted out the finger roll as like a, a deliberate, you know, homage. Like he thought about it before the game and was like, all right, I get some space. I'm going to, I'm going to go saucy with it. And, you know, it was an efficient game, 10 and 19 shooting, uh, two of five from three. He can do it all. Um, but when he, when he gets to San Antonio, he's not going to be asked to do it all. He's going to be asked to, wreak havoc on the perimeter um, defensively and, you know, space the floor, run pick and roll when he has to. Um, But it's, when you look at this defense and when you look at why it's struggling, you know, the Spurs didn't just lose Kawhi Leonard. They lost Danny Green. They lost Kyle Anderson. Manu Ginobili. Um, and those guys' minutes have been replaced by Patty Mills, DeMar DeRozan, Bryn Forbes, guys who, you know, aren't the greatest perimeter defenders. And, you know, Lonnie is still raw. He's still, he's still got a lot to learn, you know, defensively in the system. Um, but he has the size to recover, um, and in a season like this, you're almost willing to, you know, live with his mistakes at that higher level. Absolutely. And I mean, if as, assuming the Spurs are being patient with him and, it, you know, it, there might be a point this season where the Spurs say, all right, we're not going to make the playoffs, so let's give our young guys a lot of run here. And Lonnie's out there. He's playing a ton of minutes a game. You know, it's a great opportunity for him to work on these things and especially on the defensive end because, like you said, if you want to play for Coach Pop, you have to play defense. And, uh, you know, I don't think there will be too much expected of him early, but I think if he does get a lot of these minutes, you have to think 
next year, his second season in the league, the expectations are going to be higher, at least on that end of the floor. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't think that the only way Lonnie Walker plays heavy minutes this year in San Antonio is, you know, if they decide they're going to miss the playoffs. I think that there's a good chance that... Because, you know, you you hear the... um, the recent history, right? Bryn Forbes, you know, even DeJounte Murray, Derek White. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, these guys could afford to be brought along slowly, you know? Spurs are perennial 50-win team. They don't need 19-year-olds to come in and make an impact when you've got, you know, four Hall of Famers or whatever. This is not that team. Um, and Lonnie Walker is not that player. He Kawhi Leonard was taken at 15. Uh, he's the highest Spurs draft pick since then, and that was technically a trade. So he's the highest the Spurs have used their own draft pick since Tim Duncan. And there's a reason. You know, he's a guy who wasn't even supposed to slip out of the lottery, but there was some injury concern. He's healthy now. And, you know, of course he's 19 years old. Of course there are going to be tough games. There are going to be growing pains. But when you're below 500 in December, looking for a spark. And it's not like 19-year-olds can't make a difference in this league. Look at what Luka Doncic did against the Rockets. Absolutely. Had a, had a tough game and then 11 straight points to win it. Um, these, these kids are talented. They're different. Um, and Lonnie Walker has all the physical tools. He has the, um, you know, the drive to learn and get better. Um, and, I mean, the, the physical tools are, are just ridiculous. He's He jumps higher than anybody I've ever seen. He, he had a finger roll last night where his head was above the rim. You know, he's he just insane bounce, really athletic, and he's smart. He's, he's, a, he's a smart basketball player who makes a lot of good plays. Um, at, but, but the big thing is going to be defense. And, you know, in the, in the three games I've seen with him, it's, it's been a lot of off the ball. I imagine when he gets to San Antonio, it's going to be more on the ball. But a lot of these G League guys and their coaches don't want to go at him, you know? Because he is, he is kind of just a, a long, big monkey wrench on defense. And, um, and that's the thing he needs to focus on. But, dude, I think about this all the time. There's, there's a parallel universe <laughs> where DeJounte Murray... And Lonnie Walker started the season healthy, and the Spurs are like you know seven games over five hundred and the two seed in the West. Like I think about that all the time. Um, That's a nice universe to live in. It would be great. It would be really great. Um, but for all the flack that the the front office has gotten, and you know they they made some you know questionable decisions. Uh, some some would say bad. But this team is set up for long-term success. And then you look at a team like the Rockets, and it's like, you know, you're paying Chris Paul $40 million. You've got rid of a lot of the players that allowed you to do what you do. And, you know, and they're struggling as hard as we are. Um, And then when you think about the potential that Lonnie Walker has, um, you know, I think I think the Spurs are going to be tempted to let him, you know, let him grow at the next level, let him make mistakes against NBA competition and learn from them, um, because it's like this current team isn't making mistakes. You know, <laughs> Lonnie I mean, Walker's adding a nineteen-year-old. It's a high variance thing, but this team could use some variance. I was going to say, you, you, you know, variants might help the 29th ranked defensive efficient team in the league 
So uh, you, you're not wrong there. And having having said all of that, you know you, you've got you've got people excited now to see Lonnie Walker, see what he can do. You know, I, I know there's no official timeline on it, but when do you believe that he'll get the call up to San Antonio? Yeah, so um, it's it's tough to say. Um, his, his coach in Austin has no idea. He, he said, you know, you probably know better than me. Um, and sometimes they tell them the day, the hour before a game that a guy is, is going up to going down to San Antonio. Um, it's confusing because down is up and up and up is down <laughs> with, uh, you know, the Austin San Antonio thing. But, um, R.C. Buford was in the house last night to watch Lonnie and Chemezi play. Chemezi played pretty well. Um, you know, he's he's six ten. He's a little slim, um, and his game is, you know, a lot of it is posting up and setting screens. And you know, he's probably going to need more time to develop in the G League. You know, put some muscle on, get more minutes, get more experience. Um, but I, I think we need to put Lonnie Walker in a different category of Spurs prospects at a different point in Spurs history that we have been accustomed to for the last you know five, ten years since the last 19-year-old rookie and Tony Parker. Um, It's it's getting to a point in the season where you're you're looking for a difference maker, and um, it doesn't. There, I mean, there's a reason Lonnie Walker has gotten to this point. Got drafted after one year where he, you know, he averaged like 15 points in college. He was not like you know some record-setting volume score, but the kid has everything that makes a superstar athlete. And he he's going to get to a point in Austin soon where, you know, he is consistently scoring and defending the ball well. And, you know, it doesn't seem like there's that much more room for you know, the polish needed to make an impact on this Spurs team. Um, All right, I've got, I've got, here, here it is. Before or after All-Star break is when Lonnie Walker makes his San Antonio Spurs debut. Okay, so what's the date on that? Uh, February. It's, I can never remember which weekend. It's either the second or the third weekend in February. I'm gonna I'm gonna say before then. Okay. I think I think they're going to you know keep making sure that his strength and conditioning is up, that he's fully recovered from that meniscus injury, um, that everything's copacetic, and he knows the plays. And I don't think that's going to take him very long. Um, we'll we'll see, but I I expect him to be up sooner than. A lot of other writers. So, boom! There you have it, Spurs fans. That has been our interview, our special segment on the Spurs cast. Again, I'm Ben Bornstein. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Boomstein. I have been talking with Tom Petrini, the real Tom Petrini. Also happens to be his Twitter handle at real Tom Petrini. P i t r i n i. In case you were curious. Um, if you're from, there you go. If you're from uh, Reading, Pennsylvania, and you're listening to this, follow Tom Petrini. He's going to be your best friend the next couple months. Yeah, shout, out, shout out to all my new friends in Reading, Pennsylvania, real quick. I'm adopting your city in my heart. Uh, I love you guys. <laughs> I'll, I'll close on this. Um, uh, a little, another little nugget about a small Pennsylvania town. Uh, uh, watching Lonnie Walker play here in Austin in, you know, kind of a mostly empty H-E-B center. Um, it reminds me of the song Allentown by Billy Joel. 
he played a show there while he was coming up. He did a great interview, uh, you know, a month or two ago. And he said he played a show in Allentown when he was coming up. And after the show, a kid came up to him and said, you know, mister, you're never going to play here again. And I feel like that kid when I am covering Lonnie Walker in Austin. You know, a lot of a lot of players need to go back and forth to develop. Um, I don't think he's going to be one of them. That that was a good story right there. You got Billy Joel. Love Billy Joel. That was all right. Nicely done, sir. I see Long what you represent, baby. I see what you're doing there. All right. Well, that has been this episode slash segment of the Spurs Cast. I hope you all enjoyed it, and uh, we will be speaking to you all very soon. Once again, I am sure of it. All right. Thank you, Tom, for joining me. Thank you, audience, for listening. And we will see you guys on the other side, wherever that may be.